0: I pray that that will be true, that all the earth will shout his praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, great are you, Lord, he is good, oh, praise God. Wow, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 this morning and continue our series in the book of Acts. Turn there with me in your copy of God's word to Acts chapter 8, we're going to start this morning in verse 26. Uh, how many of you have been watching the Olympics these past few weeks? I saw some. I Man, hands shot up really quick. Wow, it's okay if you didn't. I, I haven't watched too too much of it, but uh, this has been a focal point for a lot of us. We don't. Uh, it was postponed, and now we get got to have it this year. And people just wait uh, to to see the the athletes go to the Olympics and compete. And it's amazing to see these athletes from all over the world get together and do what it is that they do really well. Uh, some, or you, know, you say these are God-given talents that they have. But did you know that the average Olympic athlete spends four to eight years training, training to get to the Olympics? They're, um, and, and that doesn't even mean that they're going to make it, right? They, they spend this time to train and to, to do whatever they need to do with their bodies and to, to get their breath up and, and all these things and, and, and working out, weightlifting, whatever their, their skill is. They do this with the hopes of making it to Olympics, and still there's uh, a designated few that are able to get there. They have Their training schedules is planned out way in advance. They've got goal markers that they're trying to hit in order to qualify and then order to be competitive once they get there. At 24, Simone Biles is one of the most decorated gymnasts of all time, and she's tied for the most Olympic medals won by an American female with seven medals. And she says that she trains about 32 hours a week with one day off. That's a lot. I mean, it makes me tired just thinking about it. But she is out and doing her routines and putting it together. And um, there's so much that goes into this. And this is true for all the Olympics. You remember Michael Phelps and, you know, he, he has a similar type of schedule where he's going and he's in the water the majority of the week. And, and, and must add, he's lifting weights and doing everything else. He's got a diet and eating regimen. I mean, this is serious stuff. They are not playing around with this because they want to be able to go and be able to compete with not only the folks from the U.S., but all over the world. But like any sport, any competition, you'll see this in the NBA, you'll see this in the NFL, um, you see in the bowling tournaments, right? All these, anything that you can name where there is competition or somebody is at the, the top of their class for a particular skill, they don't leave it to chance, they are continuously practicing, they're training, they're, they're molding themselves in order to do it. they want to improve everything that they do when they're training. They, they, they go and they, they practice continuously, always on their mind, and the goal is to create this muscle memory. So they don't have to think when it comes to competition, when it comes to being when whatever it is they're gonna do, they, they want to rely on that training that they've already done. They want this muscle memory so they can focus on execution. They wanna be laser focused on what it is that they have to do and do it well, not thinking about what's the next step? What do I do now? <laughs> what comes next? They have already trained. They've done it not, not 10 times, not not 50 times or 100 times, they've done it thousands and thousands of times before. And so it becomes like clockwork. They know they go to the next part, next part, next part without any, any even thinking about it. They practice so much that their fears, their worries, their concerns, they're all to the wayside. They're laser focused on what it is that they're doing in the moment. They trust that they put in the work and they leave everything up to their craft. This morning, we're gonna talk about uh, Philip, the missionary that came and what he does while God uses him. And I want us to see something. He is ready. He's already trained. He's already practiced. And he is ready when God calls upon him to do a special thing, he is ready to go. And this is what I want for us. This is what I want for us as well. Like we see with Philip here, I want us to be ready to share the gospel. Many of us are afraid. We we don't have enough courage to share the gospel because we haven't put the time in. We haven't put in our practice time. We haven't been regimented about our training schedule. And so when it comes time for the, the game, when it comes time for us to compete, Against the the evil one, we're not ready. This morning, I want us to see how we can correct that. Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse um, 26 here this morning. Here God's word reads, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was charged of of all of her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading from the, the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself? or about someone else then philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture he told him the good news about jesus christ and as they were going along the road they came to some water and the eunuch said see here water what prevents me from being baptized and he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water philip and the eunuch and he was and he baptized him And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Would you join me in prayer at this time? Father God, as we open up your scripture, Father, again, we want to give you thanks for the preservation of your word so that we can have it today that you can speak to us very soundly and clearly about how it is that we ought to live for you. Father, help us to see today how we can be prepared, not only for our own selves and our own uh, salvation and, and how we live our own lives, but we can be prepared to go share this good news to those who need to hear it that when we are asked upon how, how can I understand this, that we will be prepared, we will be courageous, we will be encouraged to go and share the good news and, and tell about the, the, the name of Jesus and, and be able to provide some hope to those who have little. Father, this morning, hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer, whom I trust is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here we are. We see, again, uh, one of the first missionaries that is mentioned here in the book of Acts by the name of Philip. We see him going and he is, uh, if you remember from before, just uh, the, the, a few verses before, he is going and, and sharing the good news. A lot of people have come to know Christ um, and uh, they, they come to be baptized. The apostles come and, and give them a sign like, yeah, this is the real deal. Uh, they, they know the gospel, they've heard it, and they, now they receive the Holy Spirit. And now he's going on his missionary journey so he can continue to share this good news. And so here we are um, and he's talking and what I like here in verse 26 is, it says the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south, the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place and he rose and went. It, I mean, sometimes when we see things or we, we, we get a feeling like we need to do something, we, we want to ask a lot of questions. Well, we're not sure about what's going on. And it reminds me of Abraham when, the, when God told him to go to a place where I'll, I'll have for you. You know, Abraham didn't didn't, he didn't know what was going on. He had this long journey to know what's going to happen next. But he asked too many questions. At least that's not what we see in Scripture. Maybe he did, and it, it just didn't make it to the Word. But here we have Philip. The angel comes to him and says, hey, I want you to go down to Gaza, to this desert place. It's like, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. Man, the Lord has called us to do so many things and what well, we want to sit on our hands. Scripture tells us specifically how we ought to live our lives, what, the, what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. But we want, what is, that, is that what it really says? In yeah, black and white, it says that. We ought to go and share the gospel. We should go and share the good news. We ought to stand up for, for those in poverty, the, those who are widows and take care of those who are less fortunate. I mean, these things are clear in Scripture, but we want to equivocate. Like, well, I'm not sure I have that gifting. He didn't ask you about your gift. He said, go and do this. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, say just for the pastors and teachers, he said, go. You go. If you're a disciple, you go make disciples. It's simple as that. But we want to ask some more questions. Philip gives us a great example here. He stands up and he he goes right there. And it's in uh, verse uh, 27, he rose and went. There was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of of her treasure, came to Jerusalem and to worship. And uh, jumping to verse 29, it says, and the spirit said to Philip, go over to join his chariot. Again, the obedience that we see in, in Philip. Uh, the angel comes and tells him what to do and he goes, oh man, I wish, those of you who are parents in the room, well, don't we wish our kids would do something like this? We tell them to do something and they would go do it. I mean, from a young age, we want to uh, not be as obedient as we should or we ought to. But here's, again, is a great example of how that should look when the Lord tells us to do something. But have you wondered uh, why it's important for Luke to specify here that this man is a eunuch. In the ancient times, a eunuch was a man who was castrated and and often a slave uh, who was used to watch over a harem or a treasury like we see here with this eunuch. So over time, uh, the title eunuch was used uh, for those people who were treasurers um, and, and who were ne- not necessarily physical eunuchs. So um, we, as we read the scripture, we make some assumptions about it, but over time, just like we see with language today, it kind of changed or widened. So we don't know if he was a physical eunuch or maybe he was called a eunuch because he was a treasurer. Um, scripture doesn't go into that detail. Uh, much like we talked about with a de- disabled man at the beautiful gate, uh, a eunuch cannot enter the Jerusalem temple. So it, it tells us that he was in Jerusalem to worship, but he could not go into the temple. And actually, let me let me correct that. This, this actually proves that he was a physical eunuch because he could not go into um, the, the Jerusalem temple if that was in fact the case. And so Deuteronomy 23 and 1 says, uh, no one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. And so um, not to get graphic or anything, but that's the scripture. That's what it says. So I want to make sure that you are aware of that. So not only was he a Gentile, but he was also uh, a eunuch. So uh, he could only watch worship from a distance, right? So he's in Jerusalem, not going directly into the temple, um, watching it from a distance in the court of Gentiles. So he's He's got a double whammy as this is concerned. He's an outcast because he's a eunuch and he's a religious outsider being a Gentile. So essentially he was someone who would not be welcome into God's presence typically. But I love how God uses this angel of the Lord to instruct Philip to stand in a place where he would come into contact with this important Ethiopian man. Uh, The spirit prompts Philip to meet this eunuch and I don't know about you, but I've experienced this myself in my life, uh, being in the right place at the right time, so to speak, right? You feel this, this guiding, this pulling, and I don't really want to do it, but I feel, man, I just need to go do this. I need to be in this place. And, and then watch the Lord work because uh, I was obedient to his call. I was in the, where it is that he designated for me to be at the right time and to, to encounter uh, a person or people at the same time. So apparently it was customary for people to read out loud. So as Philip is going, he's uh, going to meet this eunuch. He hears him reading. He's like, oh, I know that. That sounds familiar. Man, he's reading reading Isaiah. Oh, man, that's a good part too. I wonder if he needs some help. As he gets closer, he's hearing him read from this part. So look with me in verse 29. As the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from earth. And he said to Philip, about whom I ask, does this prophet say this is about himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. As I'm praying for each and every one of you here so I pray for you. I pray that God will bring people into your path that you can share the good news with, that you can proclaim the name of Jesus to. There are people out there that the Holy Spirit has prepared just for you. Because not everybody's gonna resonate with me. Not everybody's gonna get me and understand me, but they might with you. They, they feel a connection with you. They feel some com- camaraderie with you. God has placed people around you in your sphere for a reason. And I would submit it's for this reason. If there are people that you know and regularly communicate with that do not know the good news, and you do, they're there so to give you an opportunity. To give you an opportunity to share this hope in the hopeless world. Just like this Ethiopian man, they're asking, how can I understand this unless somebody guides me or walks through this with me? You know, maybe they they have some nominal understanding of what Christianity is. God forbid they only know about Christianity for what they see on the news. Uh, Hopefully they know about Christianity because who you are and your testimony and how you live your life. And they know they can come to you and like, well, you know, I heard this thing, but I don't know what to do with it. I don't, I don't know how to understand this. So please notice that the scripture, first and foremost, is central to this conversation. The Lord uses the word and, and Philip's uh, 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 ministry uh, in, this con- in this conversation. So he goes to the Ethiopian men again, and Philip's trained up. Philip's practiced. Philip is ready to share the gospel for this very moment. Everything that happened beforehand was to prepare him to encounter this man out in the desert, to ask this very question. And for all we know, you know, Philip was, was just reading. Maybe it was on his mind, and, and he, maybe it was just in his morning devotional. That happens. You know, it, you're, you're studying and reading in your normal devotion, and then all of a sudden somebody asked, or, or you hear about it, somebody asks, oh, I just read about that. Let me tell you about it. Here, that's kind of what happens here with Philip. It's easy for us to get caught up in looking for supernatural signs and wonders, but God delights in using his written word to convert the lost and expand his kingdom. You know, so nothing fell out of the sky, nothing uh, overly dramatical or magical happened. He, he encounters this guy reading the word. He's like, what are you reading? What a simple question. What, what is that that you're reading? He knew already. What is that you're reading? Do you, do you understand what you're reading? And that opens up a door to have this particular conversation. 2 Corinthians 4 and 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we as believers and Christ followers should know the scripture so that we're prepared to help unbelievers not only understand the gospel, but also to be able to uh, respond to the gospel. So it's not just enough that, that we, we help them understand, like, oh, my job is done, good, you, you got it, you got the head knowledge, I'm good, it's time for me to go away. We, we, want, we want the heart to be changed and transformed by the good news of the gospel. My other job is in IT sales, for those of you who don't know. And um, you can't be a good salesman if you don't close the deal. You know, so you need to ask for the sale. So a lot of people want to be in sales, but they don't ask for the purchase order. And so they're just, hey, we got these, these cool things here that I'm selling. Isn't it cool? This is nice. Here's all the features. Here's all the functionality. And the, the other person's like, yeah, 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 that's good, that's good. And then you just walk away. Well, wait a minute, what was the point? What was the goal? Now, don't, don't mishear me. I'm not saying that the gospel is something that we're selling to somebody. But at the same time, we gotta, we gotta ask for the next step. It's one thing to, to tell someone about Jesus, but the whole goal, the whole purpose is the response. What are you gonna do with Now that you know the truth, what are you gonna do with it? What change is this gonna be in your life? now that you know the truth, now that you know that there is good news and now that you understand there's bad news, now what? Now what are you gonna do with your life? Would you commit your life to Jesus Christ to follow him? Would you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that uh, Jesus is Lord? We gotta close the deal. We, We gotta go and ask for the next step. Just sharing the gospel isn't complete. We need to be able to go and ask the person to respond. And now that you understand these implications of the gospel, now that you see what Jesus Christ has done for you, what would you do with that information? Well, there's a quote that says, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Now, a lot of people say this, but I think it's woefully inadequate. The sentiment is that if, you know, we live our lives, our our lives should match our words. But biblically, we must use words. Biblically, we've got to go tell somebody. They've got to hear the word being preached and taught. You've got to use words. This Ethiopian man needed far more than just an example. You know, he needed more than a friend just to stand by him. He needed someone that would explain the truth of the gospel and to go through and help him along the way. The outcome that we see here is the Ethiopian man not not only listened, but he believed and would also go on to spread the gospel to other lands. This is key. This is important that we go and and understand what is being told to us. Look back with me in verse 32. This is now the scripture, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep is led to the slaughter. The lamb before a shearer is silent, so as opens not his mouth. In humiliation, justice was denied. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Thought it was important for us to to to, to, to read this, and, in hindsight being twenty twenty, it kind of makes sense to us. We we know how the story ends. But but to this guy, he's like, well, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand who who is the author talking about. Is he talking about himself or he's talking about someone else? You see, uh, Isaiah fifty three seven and eight. Um, when he is what is being talked about here. And Philip has then go to explain that that Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one that is to suffer for the sins of all humanity. There are people that close themselves off from everyone, assume they'll be able to understand and absorb the scripture. I know folks like this. Well, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go into a Bible study. I don't need to have anybody else. All I need is, is God and His Word, and He's just going to show everything to me. But as we read through the, the New Testament and understand, or read through the entirety of the, of the Bible, we see that God places people in our lives for a specific reason. I love how Paul has the imagery of, of the body. He, he continuously talks about the body. And I don't know about you, as I get older, my body just tends to malfunction. Uh, well, my body just sometimes doesn't want to work, right, sometimes. So when, when you have a piece, a part of your body that's not working, it messes up everything, doesn't it? So uh, this, this, this metaphor of the body, when we see w- uh, with Christians, it, it should resonate with us. We all, if you're Christ followers, if you're a disciple of the Christ, are part of the body. So if you're not working right, the body's all messed up. Well, if you're, I mean, if your leg hurts and you're compensating, it messes up your back and your spine and your shoulders. and. All. I just wish my leg would work. Some of you are the leg. Even if you're a toe. You know how important your toes are for balance and everything? You break your toe and you'll find out how much you need that toe. This is so important. This is so, uh, 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 it resonates so much with me because we have to understand that God has put people around us for for a specific reason so that one, we can encourage one another and and love one another, absolutely. But he gave us preachers and teachers. He gave us uh, Bible school or uh, Sunday school teachers. Worship leader, he's given us so many people around us to help continue to strengthen us that we can study with and learn from. Does God reveal himself through his word? Absolutely, absolutely. When when you read his word, he's gonna reveal to you. Absolutely, no question about it. But some some people go above and beyond in their study and, and, and of Scripture and what's going on and the, the backgrounds and what's happening, like I'm doing here today, telling you about the, the eunuchs and what that means and, and what that looks like back in this time. Not everybody is going to have that information. Not everybody is going to seek out that information. Romans 10 and 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who have they not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And now they to preach and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news so i don't know about you but the first few times that i read through the bible i had a lot of questions it was tough i mean it's still tough to be to be honest with you certain sections of scripture just just hard but uh i had a lot of questions i need a lot of help and frankly i still do need a little bit help but not only do we need to introduce people to Jesus by using the scriptures, but we also need Christian teachers to help guide us. This is why it's so important that you all are here today, that you all are joining us online via Facebook and YouTube. It's so that we can uh, uh, open up his scriptures, learn what God is, is saying to us, and be able to understand, but not just for head knowledge, so that we can go and do We can go and do what God has called us to do. The Lord uses pastors and teachers to unfold the meaning of scripture. We see this in Ephesians chapter four. And he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. There's the body, right? Here, Philip carries out the task of evangelism. He shares Christ and him crucified with someone that did not know. And we should take an example for him as to what it is that we ought to do as well. Look with me in verse 36. And they were going along the road and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water and Philip and the eunuch and and, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. As soon as the eunuch believed, Philip closed the deal. What are you going to do with this? How how are you going to live your life now with the knowledge of what has happened, who God is and what he's done for you. Acts 10 and 47, just to, to preview this, we'll get here shortly. It says um, in 1047, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. when we see this, this act of obedience to go in and, and coming and to be baptized as our public showing of an inward change. It's something that I have accepted Christ, and I'm going to follow him, and now we're going to be with him in his death and in his resurrection. Since the eunuch had been barred from assessing the temple, now he understands that he can be included in the kingdom of God, and he was excited. He had to be excited. This is something he longed for. Now you, 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 you have this, this news, this, this new thing, and like I didn't realize it. Now I can go and I can worship him truly and honestly. Hey, there's some water. Let's really get this done. What is going to stop me from being baptized? He understood that through baptism, he was fully identified with God and his people. Later in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied that under the new covenant, even foreigners and eunuchs would not be cut off from the Lord's people. I don't know if they read this part, but Isaiah 53, in the scroll that he had, says this, Let no foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say The Lord will surely separate from me from his people. And let not the eunuchs say, Behold, I am a dry tree. If they did have this in their midst, if this was included on the scroll that he was reading for, this salvation of the eunuch was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. And that that surely would have led to an excitement if he did in fact have this part of the scroll with him and just ready to go. Like, that's me. He's seeing uh, scripture being fulfilled in him. man, how cool is that? How exciting is that? both the eunuch and Philip leave the chariot and they go into the water. Philip baptizes him and immediately is taken away by the Holy Spirit as the eunuch came up out of water. Man, you talk about just crazy stuff happening. He's excited. He's going like, I'm going to get baptized. He's there with Philip. He goes into the water, comes back up. Philip's gone. Maybe he cared, maybe he didn't. Because now he's, he, he knows he's in a kingdom. Now he's in alignment with God. And he says he goes away rejoicing. Like, what have, where'd Philip go? Maybe look for him for a little bit. Oh, I'm just going to praise the Lord anyway. I'm just going to praise him for what he just did for me. Philip is already on his next appointment to Azotus. I love this story about how God takes this, this African brother with these physical ailments and breaks down all these barriers. He breaks down all the things that we think would prevent him from being able to understand or be accepted in the, the family of Christ. And regardless of this man's background, he's able to receive full membership in Christ's kingdom. And brothers and sisters, this is true for all of us. This is true for every one of us here today. This is true for all of you who are watching online. The evil one would have you believe that God doesn't want you. The evil one will tell you you've done too much. The evil one will tell you uh, this is not for you when you're kind. But these are our lives from the pit of hell. God came so that you might have life and have it to the full. This is a cause for us to rejoice. And I, I, may, I don't know, maybe you guys take it, take it for granted or maybe you guys don't realize, but man, we should be up rejoicing right now, just like the eunuch did. Maybe it was a long time since you were baptized, but I tell you what, we woke up this morning like we started here this morning, right? We, we, we have breath in our lungs because of him. We should be continuously rejoicing. People should be stopping us on the street like, why are you so happy all the time? Don't don't you see what's going on in this world? Don't you see how bad things are? And I'm like, well, let me tell you about a man named Jesus. Let me tell you how he changed my life. Let me tell you where I was and where I am now. Let me tell you what the scriptures say. Don't, Don't take my word for it. This is what God himself says, that he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have life that is everlasting. (laughs) Most people don't want to come to Christ because you walk around, you you can frown on your face, your head down and act like there ain't nothing good going on. But when they see you rejoicing because who God is, I, I tell you, they're at. They're gonna ask you some questions. And so what I want, I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared. I want you to be trained to have that conversation, to be able to answer those questions. Why are you so happy? If you're happy, why are you so happy? What has God done for you? What does the scripture say? Be prepared, be ready. And how do we do that? Now, not only being here, this is only uh, a part of the puzzle Being here on Sunday mornings, I mean, that's not gonna give you a check mark at heaven, but it helps for you to get trained. My job is to equip you. And we've got Bible studies, we've got uh, discipleship training, we've got prayer service. Uh, You can meet together one-on-one and to be able to go through the scriptures with one another. Man, this is only the tip of the iceberg. It's only an hour once a week. These athletes are trained for four to eight years to get to the Olympics. And what kind of training are we doing to get to know our Lord and Savior? To be able to go and share the good news with those who need to hear it. Get trained up. Be ready. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we need your help. And we just can't uh, pick ourselves up and, and think about training on our own. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to help us with this, to be able to uh, remind us and to make it a priority in our lives that we would spend our time with you in scripture, we'll spend our time with you uh, in prayer. Father, help us to be able to do that. Help us uh, not to only just have head knowledge, but be able to spend time with you to get to know you and have a relationship with you. Help us to grow in that area. Help us to thrive as a body of believers so that we might be able to serve Bowling Brook in the greater community give us the, the courage as we are going through and reading and in praying and in being in discipleship. Uh, help us as we continue to, to do those things so that we might be prepared that the people that you have surrounded us with, that when it comes time and they do have questions about who we are and what our testimony is, what God has done for us in our lives, that we will be ready, it will be muscle memory for us that we would go and be able to stand on the foundation of your word and be able to tell them about who Jesus Christ is and that not only is available for us but is available to them as well if they so choose to follow him help us to do that today it's soft or not if we go and sit on this information but father we trust you to uh, embolden us to be able to, to live as you've asked us to live and do the things that you've asked us to do. Father, will you continue to strengthen the body? Help our legs get strengthened, our toes, our arms, our backs. Help us to, to strengthen the body so that we can be of good use to you and your kingdom. Father, we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.